and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Motorsport Ministry, episode number 61. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about Chase Elliott, the Nashville market, what it means for NASCAR, and then our usual race weekend rankings and best bets of the week. So without further ado, let's jump straight into it, and I'm going to start you with asking you guys a question. Let's say before the season began, or just in, just here's my question. Name your top five all-time talent. Name your top five talented drivers so far this year. In terms of just sheer talent and accomplishments. You have a lot of names thrown out there. Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, Mark Trix Jr. And Kevin Harvick is probably going to get some names. They're probably going to get some mentions. How many of you would pick Chase Elliott in your top five? And where would you rank Chase Elliott in your top five if you pick him? Like, that's a genuine question. Would you, would you, as a fan, being completely objective, would you put Chase Elliott in the top five drivers in the sport currently over some names like I just mentioned? I would. I would put Chase Elliott over a couple of these guys. I'd probably put him over Kyle Busch, especially if we're going off the past two or three years. I'd definitely put him over Joey Logano. Again, we're, we're going off recency bias two or three years. The only ones I might not him put I might not put him over is Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick. But I just I just have Kevin Harvick at such a high regard that, you know, even though he didn't win a race last year, then again, that we're not here to talk about Kevin Harvick. We're here to talk about Chase Elliott. Because Chase Elliott is a strange driver to me. He has the potential to go down as one of the greatest drivers in NASCAR history. I truly believe that Chase Elliott has the capability to be a top 15 all-time driver. But at the same time, I just don't see it happening. And whether that's from a bunch of things, whether that's just from luck or things in the past, just if you look at Chase Elliott, at some of his accolades, it's almost as if his accolades put him in favor of being an all-time talent, but at the same time, go against him. Like, let's take a look at Chase Elliott's stats so far throughout his entire career. We're not counting 2015 because he only ran five races. From 2016 to 2022, he has yet to have a season where he has led less than 300 laps all year. In fact, the lowest amount of laps he's led in a single season is 2018, where he led only 325. But still... There are even some drivers that are in top three organizations that would kill to have over 300 laps led in the season. And his worst average finish throughout his entire career is 15.1. That came in 2019. And he's only got two losing two seasons without a win, but he's never had a season with less than 10 top fives. We're not counting this year, obviously, because the season's still progressing, where this year he only has four. Probably projected to have anywhere from eight to 10 top fives, I'd be assuming, come season's end. And to add more fuel to the fire in terms of talk about Chase Elliott's stats, his lowest ranking ever in the points is 10th. And that came twice in his rookie year and in 2019. So even in Chase Elliott's worst year in 2019, where he had only 15 top 10s, which is less than half of all the races last year of the entire year, 21 races he didn't finish inside the top 10, he still now four poles led the third most laps in his entire career up until this point, and still finished top 10 in points, albeit barely. So you hear these stats, and on top of that, 15 wins at 238 starts, more than half of your races, you finish inside the top 10. You hear these stats, and you think to yourself, Chase Elliott should be a top, should be an all-time great driver. 
Average finish looks good. Average star looking at it now looks amazing. 10.6 average star. Chase Elliott should be... I mean, he's probably already going to be a Hall of Famer since he won his championship. But just in general, this should be, like, no doubt that Chase Elliott should go down as an all-time great. But it's like every single year... The, one of the reasons I feel like Chase Elliott won't go down as an all-time great is because, yeah, he has a championship... And yeah, he is, you can argue he's a top five driver. But the problem is, no matter what season he's ran, you can't put him as number one. Really, the truly great drivers of the sports, your Dale Earnhardt Seniors, your Jeff Gordons, your Jimmy Johnsons, they have periods where you can say during that fixed period, and you do it where it's like you have one year, two year, three years, whatever, you are the best driver for that season or those periods of seasons. I know Chase Elliott's currently in the seventh, only in the seventh year in the Cup Series, but as of now, he has yet to have a season where you could clear cut and say he's been the best driver all year, including his championship season. In 2016, the best driver all year was Kevin Harvick. 2017 was Martin Truex Jr. 2018, it was a tie between Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. And... All those years, Chase Elliott finished top 10 of points, even finishing top 5 in points in 2017. But none of those years you could say Chase Elliott was the best driver that year. 2019, he nowhere near was the best driver all that year. That was Kyle Busch. His championship season in 2020, where he got five wins. Best driver all year was Kevin Harvick, and I don't think anyone's going to deny that. He had Chase Elliott's measure throughout everything. Wins, top 5s, top 10s, poles, average finishes, lap sled, everything. 2021, it was he wasn't even the best driver on his team. Kyle Larson took him to school. And yes, he, why, right now in 2022, where he does lead the standings by a considerable margin, I mean, yeah, you can argue maybe he's the best driver considering he's leading the standings, but can you confidently say that Chase Elliott's been the best driver all year? Because I can make some arguments that he isn't. Ross Chastain has shown more speed. Kyle Busch has been a little more consistent. We know how dangerous Kyle Larson is. So those are just three drivers that just name. Chase Elliott is a top three driver this year, but, I mean, he's not clear-cutting away the number one. And I think that's what holds Chase Elliott back, is that he has yet to shown the ability that he is firmly the number one driver of that season. Because from 2016 to 2021, we've had that. You can't make that argument. The only exception is 2018, really, where it was Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. They were neck and neck all year. But like I said, Harvick clearly had 2016 and 2020 in the back. 17 was Truex. 2019 was Kyle Busch. And 2021 was Kyle Larson. This year, yeah, he's leading the standings. He's led over 500 laps, but can you confidently say that Chase Elliott is clear-cutting the way the best driver so far this year? I mean, I can't. I just stated just a couple drivers that I can make an argument that I've been doing better than Chase Elliott this year. And I think that's what's holding Chase Elliott back. He has the ability in him. Like, when you look at it, like, I've stated this throughout, not, not even in the Spanish Motorsport Ministry, just in my time of being a racing fan. There are ways to gauge talent when it comes to driving a race car. Because in my opinion, it's one of the easiest and at the same time one of the hardest 
to ever gauge talent. Because you got to gauge, is it the man or is it the machine? You can tell if a driver is bad because if you put them in a top five organization, they're running 25th, then you can tell that's a driver. But if you have another driver where it's like, you know, you're a little, it's a little fuzzy. The way I see it is just looking at their overall racecraft, and I picture myself in my mind. If I put set amount of drivers who are considered the best at the time or of all time in one race, in equal machinery, you know, let's say NASCAR, for example. For example, if I put Dale Earnhardt, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, and Richard Petty on equal machinery to the bone that it's equal to the lug nut and give them an entire race, let's say a 100-lap race, to go out and win, then I can confidently say in my mind that it would be Dale Sr. number one, Jeff Gordon number two, Jimmy Johnson number three, and Richard Petty number four because of the driving ability. Chase Elliott, if I were to put him in a if I were to put him in a race this, let's say with him, Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush, Kevin Harvick, and Joey Logano. I don't know if I'd put Chase Elliott at first. I'd put him in the top three, though, I will tell you that. I'd put him ahead of Kyle Bush. I'd put him ahead of Joey Logano. Maybe not maybe with Kevin Harvick could go either way, but I wouldn't put him ahead of Kyle Bush or Kyle Larson. But he is top five talent. That's the thing. Chase Elliott, he is a top five talent, and he has the ability, the potential. You just watch him drive. He has everything in his grasp to be an all-time great driver. But I just don't see it happening because it's like every single year where you think that he's one of the best. You always say that Chase Elliott is one of the best, but can you really say that for that specific year, Chase Elliott is the best? I can't. Because every single year of his career, there's been at least one or two drivers that have been a step above him or two steps above him. And that's just so weird about Chase Elliott. Because I feel like at any moment, he could just flip a switch and just go out and dominate a race. He could go out and dominate. I wouldn't be surprised if he went on Dominator Road America. He, he can win any type of way. He can dominate. He can win off strategy. He can win just if cards fall the right way based off luck. He's shown that throughout his entire career. That's what I'm saying. He has the ability in him. And he has a consistency in him that'd be an all-time talent. But he just has, it's like you like I was talking to my buddy and asked her opinion about this. What was it today? Recording on Monday, today or yesterday. And we were talking about who, like, why Chase Elliott is this way. He thinks he's just not that guy that's gonna go out and win 60, 70 races. I disagree. I think Chase Elliott has the potential to win 50 or 60 races. I mean, he's won 15 already in his first seven years. I mean. If he goes for 21 years, that will be, yeah, that'd be 21 wins. But I think he can easily flip up, flip the switch. Just personally, my opinion. So maybe he's just not that guy. I think he has the potential. But again, he just hasn't shown it. And even though he did win a Nashville, I know this segment feels like it's me kind of putting down Chase Elliott. But that's what makes Chase Elliott so fascinating, in my opinion. It's like, on one hand, he isn't really... You can argue he's not that guy. He's never really been that guy where he's been the best driver all year. But in my opinion, I think he has the ability. And I wouldn't be surprised if one day, for the next three to five years, we truly do enter a Chase Elliott era where he just goes out and he smacks the entire field for a long period of time. Do I think it would happen? Who knows? We have to wait and see. But, I mean, Chase Elliott, he has the potential. Let's see 
for the next five, seven years, if he can live up to that potential, at least that I have, where he can go down as an all-time talent. All right, so I want to continue with the recency bias theme, if you want to call it that, by talking about Nashville, more specifically the Nashville market and what it really means for NASCAR. So the number one goal for NASCAR Nashville has is and has always been the Nashville Fairgrounds. That has been publicized multiple times. Bristol Motor Speedway is trying to get into it. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is trying to get it. That is the goal. What I want to discuss is, is there a place for Nashville Super Speedway? Because last night for Nashville, I think that this track deserves a place on the schedule. From a racing perspective. Obviously, we were to go into the at-track experience, whether it was parking or not be able to put in coolers. That's a discussion for another day. But from on-track product, because last year was fairly solid. I thought the racing was fairly solid. It wasn't, you know, great. It wasn't 2018 Chicagoland, but it was a solid race last year. This year, the race was a complete banger from left to right. You had drivers going side-by-side, three-wide, for not just one lap, but multiple laps. And this was for the lead, might I add. And that's not even taking into consideration the rest of the battles throughout the field. So this track, in my opinion, from a racing perspective throughout the two years, deserves a place on the NASCAR schedule. Is there a mar- is there really room to have two Nashville races on the schedule? And it's nothing, and I'm not even going to the discussion yet of just Tennessee in general. Because obviously you got Bristol, Tennessee. Then you'd have the Nashville Fairgrounds. Then you'd have Nashville Super Speedway. You'd have three races in the Tennessee market. So maybe some people might say that you're oversaturating the Tennessee market. And yeah, that might be the case, but that's because Tennessee has such great racing that in my opinion, I think it's warranted to oversaturate it if the racing is good and great throughout. But if Nashville Fairgrounds, or not if, I'm saying when Nashville Fairgrounds gets a Cup Series date, I don't know if there's going to be a market for Nashville Super Speedway. Because everyone knows that Nashville Super Speedway is pretty much only on the schedule to test out the Nashville market even though it's an hour shy of Nashville. But that's the only reason why Nashville Super Speedway is really there in the first place, just to get the market ready for whenever the fairgrounds comes. When the fairgrounds comes, I don't think you're going to see that much enthusiasm left for Nashville Super Speedway, despite how good the racing has been. I feel like it's going to go the Chicagoland route, where, yeah, the racing is great, even though Chicagoland, the racing was only good for the last two years of its existence. But anyways, where it was great, and then NASCAR just abandons it for something better. Whereas they banned Chicagoland for Road America and now looks to be the Chicago street course. I think the same thing's going to happen to Nashville Super Speedway. And it's a shame because I truly believe that this track, while it feels like a cookie cutter, it really isn't. It's a concrete track. It's not a mile and a half. It's a mile and a third. So a little bit shorter. And it just looks different. And it feels like a race is different. Like there's enough of a uniqueness of Nashville Super Speedway where it stands itself out to where you could put it more of in a category of like a Dover or a Darlington rather than the category of a Charlotte or Las Vegas. So I think the racing is there, but again, is the market going to be there when fairgrounds eventually comes to the cup series schedule? Because you're probably going to sell at the fairgrounds for multiple years, especially because fans want short track racing. I guarantee you fans would cut Nashville super speedway for Nashville fairgrounds. If in a heartbeat, they could get that tomorrow, especially because since that's what NASCAR's been working and working on for multiple, multiple years, 
you know they're not going to leave Nashville Fairgrounds anytime soon unless the first few events are just that bad that they're not going to do it. Now, do I think that Nashville Super Speedway and Nashville Fairgrounds could coexist? Absolutely. I think that they could coexist, no doubt about it. I mean, Richmond and Martinsville co are coexist. I mean, granted, they're two completely different types of tracks and do somewhat different markets, but they're both in Virginia. They're both short tracks, and they are they both stood the test stood the test of time. In a way, I feel like Nashville can even market in a certain way. I mean, think about it. You can advertise the beating and banging, then you could advertise the of Nashville Fairgrounds, then you could advertise the the high speed side by side racing of Nashville Super Speedway. I think the potential is there for both tracks to coexist fairly well. So while I'm not sure if they're able to coexist, because not because again, I think Nashville Super Speedway deserves. And in another sense, if Na if NASCAR is really going all in on the Nashville market. Why not have both tracks on the schedule? Really commit to the Nashville market. I mean, Trackhouse Racing wants to build their, a shop over in Nashville. So if you have a team that wants to invest in Nashville, you have Bristol Motor Speedway investing in the short in its Nashville short track. Why not double down on the market? Have one at the Super Speedway and have one at the fairgrounds. Fully commit to the market. Say, this is our market. We are here to stay. I think that has the great potential for NASCAR. If they can find a way to make both tracks coexist on the schedule, I think NASCAR and Nashville will be a great combination that maybe even 10, 15 years down the line could have the same effect that maybe even NASCAR and Daytona have or you know, going overboard, maybe NASCAR and Charlotte have in terms of how integrated you mix those two, the city and the sanctioning body together. But again, I think it's possible the question is, are they going to take advantage of it? All right, you guys know what time it is. It is time for Race Weekend Ranking, sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. If you live in the South Florida area in a desperate need for a haircut, head over to Johnny B's Barbershop immediately. Rob, Johnny, Will, and the rest of the crew will not only give you a great haircut, the best you've ever received, but a friendly atmosphere you do not receive at any other barber chains. So head over to Johnny B's Barbershop on Davy Road Extension and Sterling Road right across the street from the Wawa and tell them that I sent you. So we got three races to rank today. We got Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks all at Nashville. So with that, let's get straight to it and talk about number three on the list. And I'm going to give it to the Xfinity Series race. Best moment for me was going to go to Ty Gibbs versus Justin Allgaier for the lead towards the middle portion of the race. Worst moment for me was the wreck with the 27, the 2, and the 07. And I'm just going to say right now, a little bit of a spoiler for the next two races on the list. There was no out-of-the-box moment. No moment that was kind of just like just popped out or kind of just made you go, what the heck? This was a very good race. You know, made not as good as the truck or the cup race, but still a very solid, very competitive race. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. And probably more close to like a 6.9 to a 7 out of 10. But just to keep it in theme, I'm going to go with a 6 out of 10. Number two is going to go to the Truck Series race, with the best moment for me being Ryan Priest versus Zane Smith and Carson Hosevar for the win, obviously in the white flag lap and leading up to it. Worst moment for me was the wreck with Haley Deegan, just because, you know, it's like she's been getting slightly better compared to where she was in early in the season, but kind of like with Bubba Wallace, it's like if you feel like they're doing good, something happens where it takes them out. And Haley Deegan, it was a crash. 
You never like to see a driver having a good day get it taken away from them. So that's why it's on my worst moment. And like I said previously, there is no out-of-the-box moment for this race. And number one on the list is going to go to the, before I state it, Truck Series race, very good race. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. But back to it, number one race for me was the Cup Series race. Best moment was Denny Hamlin versus Martrix Jr., where they were just side-by-side side for five to six laps straight. It was fantastic to watch. Worst moment for me, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It was all the lightning and rain delays that, last, that made the race last for probably three, four hours more than it should have. So that's a shame. They'll probably want to happen if NBC decided to start the race earlier than 5 o'clock. I'm just saying. And like the others, there is no out-of-the-box moment. Very good race. Very competitive. I'm actually going to tweak all these rank. I'm actually going to tweak all these ratings about a bit. So I originally was going to give the Cup Series race an 8 out of 10. I'm going to bump it up to a 9 out of 10. Xfinity, I'll bump up to a 7. And Trucks, I'll bump it up to an 8. So because I'm in a good mood today, I'm going to give each, I'm going to give each race a positive score. And if we're going off the grading system, each race gets a passing score. So that is your edition for Race Weekend Rankings. And let's end off the episode with our verse of the week. So here we go. Opening up the Motorsports Manual. Here it is from the Book of Napa, chapter 9, verses 41. The quote is, Concrete Chase wins the race. If you guys don't know what that means, both the Chase Elliott's wins this year have come on concrete tracks. Obviously, Dover and Nashville. Let's see if he can win Bristol later this year. So, Chase Elliott seems to be the concrete king this year all of a sudden. And then, obviously, he won the race in Nashville. So, again, your verse of the week, Concrete Chase wins the race. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Motorsport Ministry. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you guys want to listen to all previous 60 episodes of the Motorsport Ministry, you can search us up on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. You'll find all the previous episodes. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time.